Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, your host. As always, it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. On today's podcast, uh, as always, all the uh, all the guests we have, I'm excited to share with you guys, but uh, this is Dr. Peter Stotts, and he is the chief medical officer of Electricor, and he has a long, long list of accomplishments. This is one of the leading experts, if not the leading expert, of the vagus nerve. So he's a, he's an MD. Uh, he's studied and trained at uh, Johns Hopkins, went to school at Michigan Medical School. He, um, he will go into the list of his accomplishments and what he's doing, what he's actively in, as it's He's involved in uh, several boards and a chief medical officer uh, of uh, a few pain management, well, the biggest uh, spine and pain center in the nation. And so for Peter Stotts to come on this podcast and share his wealth of information when it comes to the vagus nerve, uh, it was an honor for me. I think you guys will uh, find this very helpful. Uh, the implications that the vagus nerve has on uh, headaches and migraines. Um, we're, we're exploring this more and more as a healthcare field, and Peter Stotz is uh, driving the way. He's pioneering this line of thinking, uh, this new way of interacting with chronic pain. I, I enjoy Peter, and I appreciate what he's doing because it is very non-pharmaceutically driven. Um, his approach to treatment, as you'll hear, um, is is more of a direct impact uh, he, on the vagus nerve itself. So more of a, a mechanical interaction. It reduces the side effects. It uh, reduces or eliminates any sort of like complication that may come from uh, the traditional medication uh, model. And so those concerns uh, sort of go out the window. But the, but the opposite is also true where the impact... Uh, that his uh, treatments can have, or the product this uh, gamma core device can have on the vagus nerve uh, is being well-researched, and uh, it's exciting to see this research show, show some positive impacts on people's lives. We also get into things like uh, long COVID symptoms and these uh, secondary uh, or these other diagnoses or diseases that uh, stimulating the vagus nerve can have an impact on. So this is a wealth of information. Without further ado, here's my interview with Peter Stotts. All right, Dr. Stotts, thank you so much for being on the Headache Doctor podcast. It's an honor to have you here. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. First off, I want you to share with people um, a little bit about your background and uh, we're going to be diving into this world of the vagus nerve and understanding how to uh, interact with the vagus nerve and the importance of it. But I want I want people to understand uh, who you are and uh, what gives you permission to talk about this because uh, it sounds like there's probably not too many people out there in the world that are more qualified than yourself. Well, I appreciate that and, and thank you for that. Um, I'm a medical doctor. I uh, trained uh, at, uh, did my residency and fellowships at Johns Hopkins in Maryland. Uh, at at Johns Hopkins, I started the Division of Pain Medicine, recognizing that there was a need to really rethink how we were addressing the issues around acute and chronic pain. And I started a program there um, that included 
neuromodulation, relevant to this discussion. Neuromodulation is the field of medicine that involves the use of electricity and site-specific drugs to modify disease. In that capacity, I was the first anesthesiologist uh, ever at any academic institution to have surgical privileges to implant these devices. And I started the career there doing clinical trials on really non-opioid strategies, was really my forte, looking at strategies other than opioids to try to help people with chronic pain problems. Over the years, I have served as president of the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, uh, the Southern Pain Society, the um, New York, I'm sorry, the New Jersey Pain Society. Um, I'm currently president of the World Institute of Pain, and I am currently president and chairman of what's called the Vegas Nerve Society. I've also started a company, co-founded a company called Electricore, uh, which is based on the technology around stimulation of the vagus nerve, not invasively or not having to do an implant or a surgical procedure, effectively putting myself out of a job. There you go. <laughs> so when we're thinking about pain management, it sounds like your career was focused on uh, more of a localized intervention rather than uh, systemically impacting our experience with pain. Is that is that safe to... Well, you know, I would say I've tried to, from the very get-go, take a look holistically at mm -hmm. what is pain and really challenge the paradigms of the day. So, for example, back in the early 1990s and late 80s, the conceptual framework for chronic pain was that it was a problem of behavior, as crazy as that sounds to us today. And I suggested that it, while behavior is important, cognition is important, biology is important, and I worked to create a theory of pain that allowed for an integration of those three aspects of pain. Um, I've taken a look at other strategies and built, uh, you know, I invented what's called Cutenza Patch, uh, or the, the foundational work for Cutenza patch, which is high-dose capsation uh, used in pain. And I've always tried to take a look, I guess, more conceptually and holistically at what is pain and how do we treat it on a broader scale. Um, and sometimes that does involve very site-specific treatments. Yeah. Site-specific in this conversation is going to be the vagus nerve. Uh, can you give us context for what the vagus nerve is, whether it's anatomically and then its role within the body itself? Sure. So your body is made up of two separate types of nervous systems. What we typically think about in the nervous system is your somatic nervous system, your ability to walk and talk or your ability to walk uh, and run is really made up of a set of nerves that we think of as your somatic nerves. There's also what's called the autonomic nervous system, which is broken into two parts, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The largest component of the parasympathetic nervous system is the vagus nerve. Now, I had to bring this whole thing into context, uh, but the parasympathetic nervous system, and specifically the vagus nerve, turns out is incredibly important with many kinds of diseases but it has been really underappreciated until very recently how important this uh, this nerve is. Yeah. So when it when we're discussing headaches and migraines, it sounds like the vagus nerve is going to have an impact uh, on a lot of other health type conditions. Uh, when it comes to 
the patient that's suffering with headaches and migraines, how might impacting the vagus nerve have an effect on their situation? Well, I can answer that from a number of different perspectives. Um, and we can start with physiology, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, unlike many of the drugs that are out there that people give for uh, problems with migraine or cluster headaches, which are very targeted, the vagus nerve is just the opposite of that. It has multiple mechanisms of action. First of all, uh, it's been shown by a group um, uh, at Jefferson University and the lead investigators now at the NIH that vagus nerve stimulation modulates glutamate production in a model of, of severe headache or migraine, or allodynia is the model that they were using. Now, glutamate, uh, your, your listeners probably uh, may not know that glutamate is the most prominent excitatory neurotransmitter in the brain. And this is upregulated tremendously during a headache attack or a migraine attack. By stimulating the vagus nerve in these animal models, you can stop that from happening. A second level that the vagus nerve has been shown to work is modifying the abnormal waves of electrical activity that occur during a headache or a migraine attack. Mm. So these are called cortical spreading depressions. And mm -hmm. a group up at Harvard showed that we can modulate the frequency, threshold, and speed of these abnormal waves of electrical activity through vagus nerve stimulation. A third mechanism is other neurotransmitters that we won't have to get into too much. A fourth one that is, I, gonna, I think, going to be really important is the vagus nerve stimulation modulates neuroinflammation. Now, okay. that may not be a concept that a lot of people have heard of, but in most types of headaches, there are spikes and increases in the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. And vagus nerve stimulation has been shown to mitigate that that increase that occurs during these various migraine models. And that's going to turn out to be important as we start to extrapolate this into other diseases as well, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. But right now, I think it's important to say that it affects the nociceptive pathway, it affects mm -hmm. the glutaminergic pathway, it affects the norepinephrine and serotonergic pathway, it does affect the cortical spreading depressions, it affects the autonomic nervous system and blood flow, and then finally, of course, it, uh, it affects these really uh, important pro-inflammatory cytokines in the brain. Yeah, so... What what uh, if I'm going to break this down for the listeners? We have these events that occur during a headache, during migraine. Those events increase the sensitivity of uh, of different tissues. That'd be the allodynia you're referring to. Uh, stimulating the vagus nerve interacts with those systems that are being impacted by the headache or the migraine itself. Uh, so the the vagus nerve give us context for. I guess break it down even more in regards to um, the brain and the signal that it's receiving or maybe sending out through the vagus nerve. Um, how, how is that actually changing or impacting these things? Uh, meaning what organs is it interacting with? Or like what, what tissue does it actually send a signal to, to, to make those changes that would then impact someone with a headache or migraine? Well, look, very broadly speaking, uh, the vagus nerve is command and control of the body. Uh, mm -hmm. We think of the different types of nervous systems, but there are, the vagus nerve travels 
through the neck, through the carotid sheath. That's where you feel your pulse on your neck. You can feel the carotid artery. This vagus nerve travels up that area to an area of the brain called the medulla oblongata with projections into the nucleus tractus solitarius. This vagus nerve has about 100,000 fibers. 80% of those fibers are information coming from the, the body, the organ, the chest, the gut, uh, etc., up into the brain to give the brain information. Now, this nucleus tractus solitarius is also where headaches are occurring. And so I think teleologically, this is the body's way of dampening down abnormal events. It is the set point. It allows us to increase and decrease inflammation and other um, abnormalities in the brain by directly activating these nerves. And it allows us to stop and think and tie together some concepts that we've kind of thrown out there that have been disparate over time, like the mind-body interaction. Well, what is that? Well, the mind-body interaction is, in fact, the vagus nerve to a very large degree. The body can control the mind, or the body can control, yeah, can control the mind, and the and the mind can control the body via a pathway, which is really the vagus nerve. That is really how this is all happening. It also allows us to think about the gut microbiome, and we've been hearing much more about how changing our diet can help us with things like headaches or other neurologic diseases. And how could that happen? Well, it could be nutrition, but another major way that this does happen, that's known to happen, is through activation of the vagus nerve with projections directly into the brain. So it's really, you know, uh, uh, the body's way of controlling problems. Yeah, it's, uh, it's turning the volume up or down on that autonomic nervous system. Uh, and it's, so when we think about it, the nerve itself, I mean, this is something that uh, if, if we dissect the neck, we can we can actually look at this nerve and feel it. It's not like this; um, it's it's not something we're making up. And so we can mechanically interact with this nerve, right? Uh, yeah. So talk about kind of the history of what we've tried to do within healthcare as far as interacting with this vagus nerve, and uh, where that's brought us to today, and then how impactful the the mechanical, whether it's stimulation or whatever form. Uh, it's taken as far as treatment to the vagus nerve itself. Can you talk us through that that evolution there? Well, sure. I mean, I, I think some people have recognized how important the mind-body interface has been. And you've seen over the last 2,000 years an inkling of this. You've seen meditation. You've seen yoga. You've seen acupuncture. Interesting, all of those in some way can impact vagal um, afferents, so affecting the tone of the vagus nerve to some degree. We've even seen things like um, psychological interfaces, like um, um, uh, you know, um, psychological counseling, just relax and, and, and mm -hmm. don't get overly upset. What you're doing there is you are tampening down the sympathetic overdrive, and trying to activate your parasympathetic. That's the healing phase. And so we've known about this in, in a very loose capacity for thousands of years. Transparently, when I was an anesthesiologist, the, the value and the importance of the vagus nerve wasn't really appreciated. And that was, you know, 
not too long ago. Um, it was that structure that we wanted to avoid when I was placing a central line in the neck, uh, as opposed to understanding all that it does, in fact, do do. Um, we are really exploding our level of information about this more recently. In 1997, the FDA granted the first device for a stimulation of the vagus nerve for epilepsy. So that okay. same nerve that we've been talking about, but with an implanted device, sends signals up to the brain that calms the nerves, so to speak, and that's a little simplistic, but in a patient with epilepsy. And we implant these devices today for epilepsy. We implant these devices for epileptic, epileptic seizures today. And people have it going off, excuse me, all of the time. In about 2005, uh, it was noted that uh, uh, there was an, a, a submission for anxiety depression with the FDA for the same device because we've noted that the implanted device can, in fact, affect the mood state of individuals. Back to the topic that we're talking about here in headaches, they actually found that in 2002, so 20 years ago now, uh, that patients who had an implanted device for epilepsy, a number of them had their headaches go away. And so wow. that has started this conversation to a broader appeal. More recently, we've done work in asthma. I've done, we've done work in COVID. We've done work in broad inflama inflammatory disorders. It's, there's work going on uh, in rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, uh, um, there's work going on in post-traumatic stress disorder, opioid use disorder. And so the areas that we are assessing uh, have really just exploded over the last few years. And is that, uh, does that speak to the vast impact that the vagus nerve has on these different systems of the body? So impacting this one nerve, whether it's uh, mechanical stimulation or just through whether it's a psychological impact, uh, meditation, things like that. Um, it can either upregulate, downregulate, and have an impact on all these different things just because the, the vagus nerve uh, and the autonomic nervous system has such a, a vast impact. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think that's the way to think about this is the, the, the impact of the vagus nerve has just not been fully appreciated by sure. modern Western medicine. Uh, you know, if you were to ask uh, a number of uh, psychiatrists about how do you manage PTSD, they would give you a set of strategies and most of them wouldn't even know that we can potentially impact post-traumatic stress disorder or anxiety with the vagus nerve. If you were to take a look at inflammation and rheumatoid arthritis, we are a drug society and we talk about how you can give somebody a drug. But there's mm -hmm. data going that's being published with an implanted device that shows that rheumatoid arthritis can be mitigated. The inflammation that occurs in the periphery is controlled by the vagus nerve. And we're really learning how important the autonomic nervous system is, but in particular, the vagus nerve is in a wide variety of diseases. And I think that is going to make us challenge our conceptual thinking about health in general, but also with specific diseases. And we're just really at the cusp of all these changes happening. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, Electricore and GammaCore, which is a it's it's a product that we actually use in our practice, um, we 
we started to understand this vagus nerve in our own practice. We looked for some sort of application outside of pharmaceuticals uh, treatment approach that could interact with the vagus nerve. Um, I, I want you to speak to that product and how it actually impacts the vagus nerve um, because we, we get excited about this. This is a non-medication approach. And so I want you to talk about the product itself and then the, the safety of it, um, sort of the practical use of it, because it is very easy to use. Um, so I'm giving you license to, to promote your product here, um, but I think it's very helpful for the listeners. So uh, let's have at it. Well, thanks so much. I, I think of um, GammaCore, the family of devices that we use for medical indications for um, the variety of FDA-approved indications that we have uh, as an access device. So if you are an anesthesiologist, you're used to saying, I need access to the blood supply, and you put in an IV or something to that effect. Uh, this is similar in that way, in that what we are doing is, I think, um, have found the most elegant way of accessing the vagus nerve. There are ear devices that access about 2% of the vagal fibers. There's the okay. implanted device that occurs uh, and can similarly capture most of the, the fibers in the neck. And then there is the gamma core devices, which similar to the implanted device, without the concerns of doing an implant and the cost of doing an implant, we can access the vagus nerve non-invasively in the neck. The device itself has been set up to have two minutes of stimulation, and one can repeat that a number of times depending on the disease or problem that you have. But typically, it's two minutes twice, two to three times a day as a preventive for headache disorders. And then one can use two minutes two to three times a day for depending on the disorder as an acute treatment if you have a problem. So, for example, if you were a patient suffering from episodic cluster headache, for example, you could use the device in the morning at night as a preventive, and there's data that shows that we can decrease the number of attacks that you're going to have about 50% over the subsequent month. Then if, in fact, it doesn't get rid of all of them, but you see the, feel them coming on, if you catch it early, you take the device and you stimulate yourself for two minutes, um, two or three times, you can block them from happening. So we really have demonstrated um, that this same device can work in both acute treatment as well as prevention of headaches through the four or five different mechanisms that we talked about a few moments ago. Uh, it's been studied now in the, in the headache world uh, in acute treatment of migraine, prevention of migraine, acute treatment of episodic cluster, prevention of cluster headaches, treatment of paroxysmal hemicrania, treatment of hemicrania continuum, and um, also because of the you know overwhelming safety and efficacy, it's approved for adolescent migraine as well. So I think it's the device that's probably the most widely approved for FDA-approved indications at all in the headache space. That's amazing. So uh, a lot of the, the patients that we are working with um, their headache or their migraine is not in isolation. So they might have dizziness, they might have nausea, they might have anxiety, all these things complicating uh, their experience and putting them in a situation where they're more susceptible to experiencing their symptoms. Um, speak to GammaCore and this process impacting the vagus nerve. 
addressing those sort of secondary symptoms that come along with these migraines and headaches? Well, interestingly, um, um, this is, you know, this would not be an FDA approved indication, but as a science conversation, about 10 or so years ago, I made the same observation that you made here about multiple different comorbidities. And we actually did some analysis of large healthcare databases and found that patients with migraines also experience other symptoms. And there was about five or six that we looked at closely. One was anxiety, another was depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fatigue is another one. Uh, Another one would be gastrointestinal problems. Finally, asthma would be another one that people experience. And it turns out that there is not, that migraines don't cause the anxiety on a statistical approach. Rather, there is what is termed as a latent causation. Something is causing the migraines, the anxiety, the depression, and they are linked by something something that is unknown. And I termed that uh, a few years back, vagus insufficiency syndrome. Now, that's okay. not something that's broadly recognized by the medical community, this, this terminology, but hopefully someday it will be. But it's really intended to to highlight what you've recognized in your clinical practice is that there are some patients who have these multiple different disorders that are definitely linked. They're all linked apparently by the vagus nerve. And if you're using it for the treatment of migraine, you may see that some of these other symptoms are just being washed away as well. So it's something that that we've noted. We've done a small study in the UK back in about 2011, this in fact was published, um, that showed if you uh, stimulated the vagus nerve in these patients with migraine disorders, secondary consults went down, um, uh, healthcare utilization went down, uh, cost of care appears to go down. So I think we're going to get to something that really allows us to rethink what disease is. In society, we tend to be, in the Western, in Western medicine, we tend to be splitters. If you have anxiety, go see the psychiatrist. If you have de- uh, uh, a headache, go see the neurologist. If you have asthma, go see the asthma specialist, the pulmonologist. But it turns out that maybe you should be seeing the vagus nerve specialist because there does appear to be uh, some linkages here if you have all of these different disorders. And we've got to really stop and think about these multi-symptom disorders uh, and patients who um, are crossing, um, I don't know, crossing disciplines and going into multiple different problems. We may have the wrong diagnosis. We may want to rethink things. And what's going to bring this really home is long COVID. Long COVID Mm. has fatigue. They have headache. They have gastrointestinal problems. They have all of these sets of disorders that are somewhat co-linked, but migraines and headaches are among the top of the experiences that that our patients with uh, long or post-COVID symptoms appear to have. Yeah. um, I I think there's a lot of shifts that have happened post-COVID in in our healthcare world. We've had to stop and and think, and uh, it's, it's, uh, Prevented or it's it's uh, proposed different problems that we've had to really think through. I I like 
I like the way you're thinking here. It's a, it's a why, why, why we're getting to what is connecting all these different symptoms. I do agree with you. Our healthcare system, uh, is it's, uh, it's segmented and we've got these specialists, uh, that, that, you know, they can help a very specific type of patient with a nuanced type of disease. Uh, but oftentimes we, you know, we miss the forest for the trees. And so, the vagus nerve is, uh, it's really exciting. And I, I love your product because it's, uh, it's non-invasive. It's just this, this little white, uh, I'm going to call it like a tens unit or a stimulation unit, even though it's, it's more specific than that. And, uh, just for context of what it looks like, and it has these two electrodes that you apply to the neck itself. And, uh, and you feel a little bit of a current, you're actually getting uh, muscular contraction in the area which is an indication that, uh, that it's working. Uh, and then there's, uh, it's very easy, the process that you go through when you, uh, uh, when you receive the device and, uh, the instruction on it, um, the, this sort of thing can be very empowering for people because it gives them a sense of control, uh, both preventatively and then actively. I, most of our patients, if not all of them are constantly looking for non-medication approaches Oftentimes, the MD world is not pursuing that. And uh, so the fact that you're pursuing this is an amazing thing. And I really, uh, I, again, I appreciate you being on this podcast. I want to open it up to really anything else that you would like to share with our audience, uh, with our listeners in the headache and migraine world. Um, oftentimes, I ask for any uh, practical application, uh, but really uh, anything that you would like to share as we uh, look to close up. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to come and speak with you and your audience here. This is a wonderful opportunity for me, and I've really enjoyed the time. Um, the, and, I, and I like your description overall of the device, but I would caution uh, the listeners that this is not a TENS unit. Don't yep. take a TENS unit to your neck because that, in fact, could be dangerous. The secret sauce in this device is the frequencies and the waveforms that were actually used in creation of this device. By the certain frequencies that we have, we don't stimulate the fibers in the neck that can cause your heart to slow. A mm. TENS unit in particular uh, could be dangerous, and there's a black box warning, or many of the TENS units say, do not use in the neck for fear of, of touching the vagus nerve. And, and so I just would caution people not to say, oh, this is a, just a TENS unit. Let's put a yep. TENS unit on my neck because we don't actually know that that's safe to do. Um, but your otherwise, your description is really right on. It's a little handheld device. It is uh, a way, it's an access device for the vagus nerve. It's a non-drug approach. It's not surgery. So uh, it is, uh, the risks associated with the surgical implants are just not there since it's not surgery. So, and then similarly, the costs are not there as well. We still struggle right. with insurance companies to pay for it. If you're a veteran, uh, the, the government does pay for this for your various headache disorders. Um, but many of the insurers are still focused on drugs. And um, a head-to-head -head comparison eventually will, sh will show them that, that this is something that they should be covering for their patients. But right now, it's still a challenge for us. Yeah, absolutely. And then how can, how can people interact with you? Are there, um, platforms or locally, if, if someone wants to see you as a provider, do you, are you still involved in patient care or maybe just as, uh, an organization that you're a part of, how can people interact with you? 
Well, thank you for that. I uh, I would say the the best way to reach me is through the Vegas Nerve Society or vnsociety.org. Uh, I will, um, you know, I'm not providing medical guidance in that capacity there, but you can learn a lot about what the vagus nerve is and what it does. And it's really intended for scientists and healthcare providers um, across the board right now. By the end of the year, we hope to have uh, a, uh, an aspect of it open for patients and consumers. Uh, that is in my my long-term vision. Uh, you can also reach out to me at electricor.com. Uh, my office there will put you through to me. I'm happy to try to talk you through different things. And then finally, I, I do remain chief medical officer of National Spine and Pain Centers, which is the largest pain uh, organization in the United States. Um, but I'm not currently seeing patients. Uh, I'm living in Florida away from my current offices. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Stotts, again for being on the Headache Doctor podcast. It's been a pleasure. Uh, pleasure was mine. Really wonderful to be with you. Thank you.